Sometimes life can feel like a pressure cooker. From our work life to our personal lives and relationships, there's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. But guess what? You're not alone. You may not know it now, but support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help find you a community at churchescare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com to explore the possibilities. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, X-Zone Radio TV. For more information on the X-Zone Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.xzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Thank you for taking the time to listen. The subject for today's show is mysterious disappearances, including Lord Lucan, Glenn Miller, and Amelia Earhart. Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject and research it, and based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We're not so good with pronouncing names, we apologize, and neither of us have any particular knowledge of history. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. Let's start with a disappearance that was headline news in Great Britain in 1974, that of Richard John Bingham, 7th Earl of Lucan, or Lord Lucan. Besides having an inherited title, what was significant about Lord Lucan? He disappeared after a murder was committed in the family home in the fashionable Belgravia District of London, one of the world's wealthiest locations. At the time, he was 39 years old and a professional gambler. 
If he is still alive, Lucan would be 84 years old. At the time of his disappearance, he was estranged from his wife and was in the middle of acrimonious divorce proceedings while trying to claim custody of their three children. Sources claim that Lucan was guilty of domestic, of, of domestic abuse, which would suggest that he was prone to violent behaviour. He was also believed to have massive gambling debts. His wife, Veronica, Lady Lucan, lived with their three children and their nanny, Sandra Rivette. Wikipedia describes the murder as follows, quote, On the evening of 7th of November 1974, the children's nanny, Sandra Rivette, was bludgeoned to death in the basement of the Lucan family home. Lady Lucan was also attacked. She later identified Lucan as her assailant. As the police began their murder investigation, Lucan telephoned his mother, asking her to collect the children, and then drove a borrowed Ford Corsair to a friend's house in Uckfield, East Sussex. Hours later, he left the property and vanished without trace. The car was found abandoned in New Haven, its interior stained with blood and its boot containing a piece of bandaged lead pipe, similar to one found at the crime scene. A warrant for Lucan's arrest was issued a few days later, and in his absence, the inquest into Rivette's death named him as, a mur as her murderer. The last occasion in Britain, a coroner's court did so, unquote. Boot is another word for trunk. Lady Lucan was left for dead, but managed to reach a nearby pub, the Plumber's Arms, to get help. It was assumed that Sandra Rivette was murdered by having been mistaken for Lady Lucan. Normally, it was Sandra Rivette's night off, so the murderer might have expected that his wife would be home alone with the children. New Haven, East Sussex is a small town on the south coast of England with a ferry service to Dieppe on the Normandy coast of France. Lucan's Mercedes had a flat battery and was left behind, as well as his money, passport, driver's license and glasses, all found at his Elizabeth Street, Bulgaria apartment. So Lucan escaped to France on the ferry? Nobody is certain. His last sighting in the town of Uckfield is 16 miles or 26 kilometres from New Haven. It is not certain that Lucan drove the Ford Corsair to New Haven. That would suggest that he had assistance in being able to disappear. What theories are there for Lucan's disappearance? There are many, including that Lucan may still be alive. Here is a quote from the London Daily Express newspaper from December of 2018. Quote, the case has gained further notoriety over the years thanks to a long list of potential sightings of the Earl around the globe. His late wife, Lady Veronica Lucan, always maintained that he would have never gone abroad. Despite this, unconfirmed reports have come in over the years from as far afield as Botswana, Holland, Ireland and Australia. One of the key players in the Lucan story is the late John Aspinall. He owned the Mayfair Casino that Lucan and his high-stakes gambling set frequented and where Lucan dined on the night of the murder. One theory surrounding Lucan's possible death centred around the private zoo Aspinall owned in Kent. Journalist Lynn Barber interviewed Aspinall in 1990 at the zoo. However, she maintains that he let slip a small clue during their talk that actually points towards Lucan's survival. He told her, well, I always think that if someone who has been a great friend is then in ter a terrible position, you rather feel more warmly towards him because that's when you're needed. I'm more of a friend of his after that than I was. She said in 2000 she was convinced that the after in Aspinall's statement was a giveaway. Aspinall died in June 2000, in the, in the year 2000, taking a secret. And in fact, it, it, it was one to his grave. A former employee of Aspinall's, Shirley Roby, came forward with her own story in 2012. She said that she often heard Aspinall talk about Lucan when she worked for him as a secretary from 1979 to 85. I knew he was hiding. I knew he was in Africa. I knew we were hushing it up. I knew he'd fallen out with his wife and I knew it was a major secret. For, for whatever reason I didn't appreciate, there had been a murder until some years later, she said, unquote. The zoo theory was that Lucan shot himself with his body being fed to the tigers. Did anyone believe that Lucan was innocent of murder and attempted murder? Yes, his brother Hugh Bingham, who claimed that Lucan had told his friend Susan Maxwell Scott when he drove to her house in Oakfield, apparently on the way to fleeing from New Haven, fleeing to New Haven, that he had encountered a man in the house who had assaulted his wife. 
Are there other theories? Besides suicide at the zoo, he jumped off the New Haven to Dieppe Ferry. Why would he commit suicide? He seemed to have wealthy friends who could help him. The suicide theories may include the assumption that he was devastated by his unintended murder of Sandra Rivette. Who is the subject of the next mysterious disappearance? We will go back in time to talk about the world's most well-known musician when he disappeared, Glenn Miller. The following is from Wikipedia. Quote, Glenn Miller and his orchestra was an American swing dance band formed by Glenn Miller in 1938, arranged around a clarinet and tenor saxophone playing melody and three other saxophones playing harmony. The band became the most popular and commercially successful dance orchestra of the swing era and one of the greatest singles charting acts of the 20th century, unquote. What happened leading up to his disappearance? He joined the United States military, which cost him a huge loss of earnings, and then traveled to Europe to help with the war effort. The article continues, quote, During Miller's stay in England, he and his band were headquartered in a BBC radio office at 25 Sloan Court in London. A bomb landed three blocks away, encouraging Miller to re relocate to Bedford, England. The day after he departed London, a V-1 flying bomb demolished his former office, killing at least 70 of his former office mates, unquote. It sounds like an enemy were out to get him. V-1 flying bombs had an accuracy of about 7 miles or 11 kilometers, so it would not have been sent to hit a particular target, but a particular target area, in this case, central London. How did he actually disappear? He was flying to France, departing on December the 15th, 1944. A passenger in a single-engine UC-64 Norseman departing from RAF Twinwood Farm near Bedford. According to Wikipedia, the cause of the plane disappearing could have been engine failure. Quote, in 2014, the Chicago Tribune reported that despite many theories that have been proposed, Miller's plane probably crashed because of its carburetor which was of a type known to ice up in cold weather, unquote. Were there other theories regarding the disappearance of his plane? Yes, one major theory that was reported in a New York Times article in December of 1985 as follows. Two members of a Royal Air Force bomber crew in World War II believe they can explain one of the unsolved mysteries of the war, the disappearance of the band leader Glenn Miller. The two say they fear the band leader's plane was downed over the English Channel by bombs jettisoned from their own plane as they returned from an, an aborted mission. The two, the navigator and pilot, said their four-engine Lancaster bomber was one of the some 150 returning from an aborted mission on December the 15th, 1944, the same day Mr. Miller took off in bad weather from an airfield near Bedford, England, on a flight to Paris, where he was to give a show. The two RAF crewmen said that after the jettison bombs exploded, they saw a Norseman aircraft fall into the sea below them, apparently knocked out of the sky by shockwaves. The plane carrying Mr. Miller, who was then a major in the army and a leader of the Ar and the leader of the Army Air Force Band, was a Norseman D-64. The official version of the band leader's disappearance is that his aircraft vanished in the Channel fog perhaps disabled by ice on its wings, unquote. We'll have to continue after the short break discussing the mysterious disappearance of Glenn Miller. And I would like to mention our exciting new Instagram page where you can follow us there. You can connect to our shows and you can send us messages at T-W-O-G-T-B-T. And we'll continue after the short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. 
yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we're discussing the mysterious disappearance of Glenn Miller. And, Dad, you were quoting from a New York Times article. Was that the end of the story? Not quite. No Royal Air Force planes were supposed to have been flying that night due to bad weather. So why would anyone else be flying that night if the weather was too bad for the Royal Air Force? The truth came out eventually that on the night there was a bombing mission involving Lancaster heavy bombers intended for the railway yards at Siegen, Germany. The bombers were recalled before entering German airspace with their bombs being dropped on the way back to their home base over the English Channel. We have time for one more disappearance, and that is of the famous aviator Amelia Earhart. It happened less than a decade before the disappearance of Glenn Miller. There have been been recent discoveries and some convincing theories regarding her disappearance. Why don't you provide a quick bio of Amelia? The following is from Wikipedia. Quote, Amelia Mary Earhart, born July the 24th, 1897, disappeared July the 2nd, 1937, was an American aviation pioneer and author. Earhart was the first female aviator to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean. She received the United States Distinguished Flying Cross for this accomplishment. She set many other records, wrote best-selling books about her flying experiences, and was instrumental in the formation of the 99s, an organization for female pilots. In 1935, Earhart became a visiting faculty member at Purdue University as an advisor to aeronautical engineering and a career counselor to women students. She was also a member of the National Women's Party, sorry, the National Women's Party and an early supporter of the Equal Rights Amendment, unquote. That's an incredible amount of achievement packed into a short lifetime. But what are the details of the last flight? The history website provides a quick overview. Quote, on June the 1st, 1937, Amelia Earhart took off from Oakland, California on an eastbound flight around the world. It was her second attempt to become the first pilot ever to circumnavigate the globe. She flew a twin-engine Lockheed 10E Electra and was accompanied on the flight by navigator Fred Noonan. They flew to Miami, then down to South America, across the Atlantic to Africa, then the east to India and Southeast Asia. The pair reached Leh, New Guinea on June the 29th. When they reached Leh, they had already flown 22,000 miles. They had 7,000 more miles to go before reaching Oakland, unquote. The first attempt had ended in Honolulu, Hawaii, after starting from Oakland, California, with the plane being severely damaged, possibly by a blown tire on takeoff. When I go westbound, as she has done on the first attempt? The U.S. History website answers that question. Quote, 
Since they were leaving so much later in the year, Earhart decided to travel in the reverse direction from her original plan to fly west. Weather conditions were more favorable in the Caribbean and Africa, unquote. Where did Earhart and Noonan disappear? The Life Science website describes a series of events as follows, quote, on June the 1st, 1937, Earhart and navigator Fred Noonan departed from Miami, well, we said Oakland, with great fanfare. They began the 29,000-mile journey heading east. After 29 days of flight, they touched down in Lay, New Guinea. The remaining 7,000 miles will be done over the Pacific. The plan required landing on Howland Island, located between Hawaii and Australia, and 2,556 miles away from Lay. At only 1.5 miles long and half a mile wide, Howland Island was a difficult spot for landing. Special navigation precautions were taken, including establishing radio communication with the U.S. Coast Guard ship Itasca off Howland Island. At 10 a.m., Earhart and Noonan took off from Ley. They encountered problems with overcast skies and rain showers early on. Some witnesses reported that the radio antenna may have been damaged, and other experts suggest that their maps may have been inaccurate. As they neared Howland Island, they were unable to make sufficient connection with the Itasca or to land on the island. Earhart's last communication was at 8.43 a.m. We are running north and south. Though the Itasca began a rescue attempt immediately and the search continued for weeks, nothing was found. On January the 5th, 1939, Earhart was declared legally dead, unquote. The Itasca was the designated support ship for Earhart's journey when she crossed the Pacific Ocean. In round numbers, 2,556 miles is 4,000 kilometers, while 1.5 miles is 2.4 kilometers, and 0.5 miles is 0.8 kilometers. Have any remains of the plane been found? Maybe, quite recently, according to the Mysterious Universe website, an article from January 2019, a team of divers called Project Blue Angel had recovered what they believed to be pieces of Earhart's E-10 Electra. This was off the coast of Buka Island in Papua New Guinea, with a theory that Earhart had turned around and crashed on the way back to the point of her departure. Is there any other evidence of the actual crash site? The crash site has been long believed to be further east on Gardner Island, but perhaps some radio signals were picked up at the time. If radio signals were picked up, why weren't they rescued? Apparently because they were picked up by private citizens in North America, as described in a US Today article from July of 2018. Quote, Amelia Earhart in her Lockheed Electra plane sits surrounded by knee-deep water, marooned on the reef of Gardner Island with her seriously injured navigator, Fred Noonan. She waits for t the tides to lessen before sending out yet another dis distress signal. It's July the 2nd, 1937, just hours after Earhart's planned plane disappeared over the Pacific Ocean on the most challenging leg of her flight around the globe, the 2,227 multiple mile trip from Lane, New Guinea to Howland Island. Playing down on an uncharted island, small, uninhabited, she calls out, a signal apparently only heard by a Texas housewife, Mabel Larimore, who had stumbled upon a message from Earhart while scanning her home radio. Then, 12 hours of silence, unquote. That's really odd. Why didn't the Itasca pick up the distress signal? I don't know, and I don't know how the radio messages, the radio message carried all the way to Texas. The article reports six days of signals with their timing corresponding to low tide at that location. The article continues, quote, Five days after a crash, July the 7th, Thelma Lovelace of St. John, New Brunswick, Canada, hears, can you read me, can you read me? This is Amelia Earhart, please come in. The article continues. We have taken in water, my navigator is badly hurt. We are in need of medical care and must have help. We can't hold on much longer. Then silence forever, unquote. Were human remains ever found? In March of 2018, an article in the Washington Post newspaper provided, provides forensic evidence that points to Earhart's remains being found. Nikumaroa Island, as mentioned in the article, is another name for Gardner Island. Quote, a new scientific study claims that the bones found in 1940 on the Pacific island of Nikumaroa 
belonged to Earhart, despite a forensic analysis of the remains conducted in 1941 that linked the bones to a man. The bones revisited in the study, Amelia Earhart and the Nicomaro bones by University of Tennessee professor Richard J. Lance were discarded. For decades, they have remained an enigma, as some have speculated that Earhart died a castaway on the island after a plane crashed, unquote. That appears to be convincing evidence. The article theorizes that the bones may not have been found at the site of the crash, that is, her actual bones. Quote, Jans, Jans compared the lengths of the bones to Earhart's measurements using her height, weight, body build, limb lengths and proportions based on photographs and information found on her pilot's and driver's licenses. His findings revealed that Earhart's bones were more similar to the Nicomaro bones than 90% of individuals in a large reference sample. In the case of the Nicomaro bones, the only documented person to whom they may belong is Amelia Earhart. Jantz wrote in the study, unquote. What are the theories regarding how Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan died? There are plenty, with some being completely crazy. One theory that doesn't seem to go away with that was that Earhart was spying for a government using special equipment to photograph Japanese bases in the Pacific. Part of the theory is that the plane was shot down by the Japanese. Another theory is that after the plane crash, she was taken prisoner with a navigator, with both being executed after being taken to the island of Saipan. A similar theory has the Japanese taking them to the Marshall Islands. A wild theory is that she was rescued by the United States military and later lived in New Jersey with a new identity. It's time for the first question. Starting with Lord Lucan, did he have massive gambling debts at the time of the murder of Sandra Rivette and the attempted murder of Lady Lucan? Yes. With Sandra Rivet usually having Tuesday nights off, was the murder committed under the assumption that Lady Lucan would be alone in the house with the three children? Yes, it was. Was Sandra Rivet bludgeoned to death with a lead pipe by being mistaken for Lady Lucan? Yes. Why did the murderer choose lead pipe as a murder weapon when other means that would be less traceable to the killer could have been chosen? They weren't thinking straight, so they just grabbed whatever they had handy. If Lord Lucan were the murderer, why would he think to commit the violent murder of his wife with their children having to deal with horrifying the horrifying reality of the aftermath? A lot of people don't think of the after effects that murder can cause. Instead, they are just in an emotional state where they just want to get it done and over with and don't think of the consequences. But we'll have to continue after this short break, and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net. here and they've been here for thousands of years making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jennings, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologist 
Facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we are going through the questions and the psychic insight about mysterious disappearances. And we are discussing Lady Lucan. So, Dad, can you please continue? Was Lady Lucan correct in identifying her husband as being responsible for the violent attack on her? Yes. Was the identification based on the recognition of his voice? Yes, for the most part. When Lord Lucan called his mother to collect the children, what reason did he give for the request? That he wanted to take them somewhere special so that he had a surprise for them. Why did Lord Lucan visit the Maxwell Scots at their home in the town of Uckfield? He was just inquiring about them, so trying to get more information. Can you say anything about whether the Maxwell Scots helped Lucan? They did not. When the car was found, why was there so much evidence, including bloodstains and a piece of lead pipe, similar to that found at the crime scene? The cleanup process was not done very well, so it was related to the crime scene. How could the brutal murder of his wife, assuming she had not survived, possibly lead to Lord Lucan gaining custody of the children? He didn't think he was going to get caught, so he thought that people would think someone else would have murdered her. Then he would get full custody. So he never thought it would be tried in court or traced back to him. What was the motive for attempting to murder his wife? Anger, lots of anger, and lots of arguments to the point that there was a lot of hatred involved. I think you've already answered this. At the outset, did Lucan think because he had the title of an earl that no one would believe that he could be a murderer? Partially, yes, and partially he thought that he could commit the perfect murder so that nobody would suspect him. Was Lord Lucan distressed at the thought that he had murdered Sandra Rivette by mistake? Yes, he was. How could he attempt to travel to France when he had left his money wallet and passport in his apartment in Elizabeth Street, Belgravia? He was going to get different information from someone else. So he's going to get a new passport, new money, basically start over. So at the time, he didn't think he needed that. Presumably with passenger records and potential eyewitnesses, why was it never clearly stated whether he boarded the ferry from New Haven to Dieppe, France? Basically because so many people were coming and going. It was hard to keep everything 100% straight. So it was unclear if he used false pretenses to be able to board it. Did Lucan commit suicide by jumping overboard from the New Haven to Dieppe ferry? No. Over the following years, were any of the alleged sightings around the world actual sightings? One or two were real, but the rest were not. Did billionaire casino casino owner John Aspinall help Lucan escape and help him assume a new identity? 
He helped in a way, yes. He wasn't the one that helped him get a new identity, but he did help with some financial means. Was Lucan hiding in Africa as claimed by former Aspinall employee Shirley Roby? No, he was not. Why did Lucan's brother Hugh Bingham believe that he was incapable of a murder even after Lady Lucan had identified him as her attacker? It's hard when family members are involved since they always want to believe the best of their family members. So they never want to admit that their family members could do something so horrible. What can you say about the fate of Lord Lucan? Did he live out of his li- live out his life or is he still alive in some other country outside of Britain? So he did pass away from actually natural causes, so he's no longer alive. And he did live out his life in hiding, but it was in Europe, not Africa. So he basically assumed a new identity, went about his life in a normal means, and passed away from natural causes. So to recap, he boarded the Dieppe to New Haven ferry to make his escape. Correct. Was that with the new identity, passport, and money he was given? Correct, a whole new identity. Can you say anything about the European country he lived in? Was it France? It was not France. It was more Eastern than France. Why does the brutal murder of Sandra Rivette, followed by the disappearance of Lord Lucan, have so much public interest so many so many years after the events took place? Basically, in a way, many people thought that he got away with it. So instead of getting normal consequences for murdering someone, he got away with it. And it shows that if you have the right connections and the means, sometimes people get away with horrible crimes. And obviously he would claim he didn't do it. However, it's hard when the evidence is all in one direction. So it relates to a lot more, even current cases, where people got away with it, even though all the evidence goes towards that one person. How did Lucan disguise himself? Did he have plastic surgery? Not really plastic surgery, but growing out your facial hair, changing your hair color, etc., can actually change a lot about a person. So it is very easy to be unrecognizable with a few more changes. So rich friends and privilege were the reason he was never arrested and taken to court. Yes, and also to go back on the appearance and even weight gain and weight loss can cause a dramatic change in appearance also. What, what, what can we learn from the disappearance of Lord Lucan? Basically that sometimes people can get away with things and it's hard to realize that this is a possibility. But it's been shown in many different cases where people actually get away with murder. So the issue with this is that people think that they should be punished for their actions. However, in some circumstances, money does get people farther, and money actually makes it so a person isn't facing the consequences. If Lord Lucan had been still alive, would it have been more difficult to answer all these questions? A hundred percent. So with not affecting the future, it is easier to talk about people who have been or are deceased since they're not going to affect future events. So if he would have been still alive, the answers would have been more vague since there would be a possibility of a future appearance or him appearing in the public. So since he's deceased, there's no way for this to happen. Therefore, there's no way to change future events. Changing subject to the disappearance of Glenn Miller, was there any reason behind the near miss when his former office in London was destroyed by a V-1 flying bomb the day after he vacated it? Yes. Why was Glenn Miller flown on a flight to France in a single-engine plane in bad weather in the middle of winter? It was basically a series of unfortunate events. So, at the time, it was the only plane available. Was there any particular urgency surrounding his departure? Yes, very urgent. Was there a reason for the urgency? Did he need to raise the morale of the troops or was there another reason? There was another reason. He had to go have a private discussion with someone and had a sense of urgency about it. Was the official version correct that the plane crashed in the English Channel because it was lost in fog and the wings wings iced up? No, it was overall different. Most of the plane iced up, so it wasn't just the wings. Did the carburetor of Glenn Miller's plane ice up, causing engine failure, resulting in the plane crashing? Yes. So there was no basis in Glenn Miller's plane being destroyed by bombs dropped by an RAF Lancaster heavy bomber returning to base after being recalled from a mission? 
No, there's no basis. So it is basically like a game of telephone where the story got more and more intense instead of just normal aircraft failure. Did the aircrew of the Lancaster bomber see another plane crash when the bombs were dropped over the English Channel? Yes, that's correct. Why weren't there reports of two planes that went missing that night? The other plane was actually a private plane, so it was not actually registered 100%. So they just kind of swept it under the rug that it was damaged and destroyed in an accident. Was the bombing mission originally planned to destroy the railway yards at Siegen, Germany? Yes, that's correct. Why were the bombers recalled? Because of the destruction. So they decided to drop the bombs, not exactly in the correct manner. So the people that were dropping them did not do all their final checks before actually dropping. Why was there the denial at the time that no bombers were flying on a mission that night because of bad weather? Because they made the mistake of destroying a private plane. So they wanted to cover their traces since lives were lost. Was weather that night unusually hazardous to aircraft? Yes, no planes or aircraft should have really been flying. Why was Glenn Miller flying in a plane that had a reputation for the carburetor icing up on a winter night with dangerous icing conditions? He wanted the first plane possible, so that one was the only one available at the time, and he thought that it wouldn't actually be a risk. Changing subject to Amelia Earhart, why hasn't the Equal Rights Amendment ever been passed? For numerous reasons, but for basically the biggest part, that a lot of people are still not supporters. Was it on Amelia Earhart's life chart to be a pioneer and success, succeed in a male-dominated world? Yes, 100% she chose that. What was the actual cause of Amelia Earhart's first attempt to cir circumnavigate the globe, coming to an end in Honolulu, Hawaii, when her plane was severely damaged on takeoff? Basically, just some faulty parts, so some of the parts were not the best, and they were told to be good, but they were not. Was flying eastbound for the second attempt a logical decision based on weather patterns in the Caribbean and Africa at that time of year? Yes, it was a logical decision. On the final leg of the trip to Howland Island, was the Lockheed Electra's radio antenna damaged? Yes. For that leg of the trip, were their maps inaccurate, making navigation difficult? Yes, they were. Why was Howland Island chosen for the destination of the leg from Papua New Guinea, when it is only a hundred, it is only one point five miles long and half a mile wide, and a difficult spot for landing? She wanted the challenge, so she wanted to challenge herself on her flight abilities, and do something that others would probably not. But we'll have to continue with the questions in the Psychic Insight after the short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xebn.net. here and they've been here for thousands of years making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. 
Christopher Fulton is a survivor of the national security state. All he wanted to do was preserve history when he acquired a Cartier watch from the estate of President Kennedy's personal secretary. But that simple act set off a terrible chain reaction. He was pursued by the U.S. Justice Department and the FBI, thrust into the middle of the U.S. government's Assassination Records Review Board, even monitored and pursued by the Russian government. All because that Cartier watch was the missing link of evidence, a timepiece worn by JFK that fateful day in Dallas, a link resulting in Christopher being incarcerated and attacked for nine years because he opened a hidden chapter in history. The intriguing journey outlined fully in Christopher Fulton's memoir, The Inheritance, is available now through Trinday.com or Amazon.com. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination by Christopher and Michelle Fulton is a must-read, an incredible tale of how easily our own government can overrule justice. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we're discussing the questions and psychic insight about the legendary Amelia Earhart and her disappearance. Dad, can you please continue with the questions? Sure. Thank you, Justina. What's the reason why Earhart wasn't able to make a sufficient radio connection with a Coast Guard vessel, Itasca, the damaged radio antenna? Yes, there was a lot of damage. How did the damage occur? By stormy weather, so the aircraft was actually damaged by the weather. Did the last radio connection with the Itasca at 8.43 a.m. on July the 2nd mean that Earhart was flying north and south at different longitudes in search of Howland Island or any place to land? Yes, it was going to be an emergency landing. Was Earhart's plane landed, was Earhart's plane landed wherever it could be landed because of shortage of fuel? Yes, and also the damage caused by the storm. Are remains of Earhart's E-10 Electra located off the coast of Papua New Guinea as a result of Earhart attempting to return to her point of departure? Yes. Did Earhart's plane crash land near Garda or Nicomaro Island? It was vaguely in the vicinity, so it was more towards a couple of other islands instead. Papua New Guinea and Ghana or Nicomaro Island is some distance away. How could this have happened? Yes, yeah, so she did land around Papua New Guinea and actually took off again. And that's where she finally landed again for a second time. So she decided to make another attempt. Was Earhart largely unhurt while her navigator Fred Noonan was seriously injured? From the second attempt, yes. With her plane landed near Papua New Guinea... Why didn't she just stay and make repairs? At that time, she wanted to push herself even harder, so she thought she had enough fuel to make it a little farther. Is that how the glass from her plane was found off the coast of Buka Island near Papua New Guinea? Yes, only some pieces. She thought that the plane was in good enough condition to try and make it again. Was she able to send out radio distress signals from the plane at low tide? She tried, yes, but some of the distress signals obviously didn't go through, and some people thought they would get distress signals when they did not. Why wasn't the Itasca or other search vessels able to pick up her signals? Again, because the equipment was so badly damaged, so the signals were going out at random and were not in the usual networks. Did any other country pick up her signals? Yes, some of them actually did, but did not relate it back to her right away. Did Texas housewife Mabel Larimore hear a mess radio message from Amelia playing down on an uncharted island, small uninhabited? Yes. How could the message carry all the way to Texas? Was it shortwave at night? Yes, and in addition, she was trying any channel possible. So she was going through channels that normally a plane would not be heard on. On July the 7th, 1937, did Thelma Lovelace of St. John, New Brunswick, Canada, here on the radio, can you read me? Can you read me? This is Amelia Earhart. Please come in. We have taken in water. My navigator is badly hurt. We are in need of medical care and must have help. We can't hold on much longer. Yes. Was that the last transmission from Amelia Earhart? She tried to send some after that, but it was too late. Did the bones found in 1940 on the Pacific island of Nicomaro belong to Amelia Earhart? No, they did not. Did navigator Fred Noonan succumb to his injuries and pass away soon after the crash? Yes. 
Were any of Fred Noonan's remains ever found? No, they were not. Were Amelia Earhart and a navigator Fred Noonan captured by the Japanese who thought they were American spies? So this is where it gets a little difficult to follow. The navigator at this point is deceased and Amelia Earhart is still alive. So she makes it out of the plane. She's injured, but still alive. At this point, she does get captured, but is not by the Japanese. Is she captured by the local native population who are non-military? Exactly. Native people, non-military. They have no idea who she is, and she is on their land. Is she killed or harmed by the native people? No, she actually lived with them for quite a time. Okay, she was injured but lived out her natural life. For a few years, yes. So it wasn't a long life since the injuries could not be fully healed, since the native people could only do so much. But she decided she was content staying with them. So she decided that with making a point, it was actually better to almost broadcast a tragic death versus actually try to get the help and try again. So she was content with her efforts to go around the world and decided that she would just live a couple of years in a more peaceful situation. So Amelia Earhart died as a voluntary resident of Nicomaro Island. Correct. In retrospect, was Earhart more of a legend by mysteriously disappearing and being remembered more so? Correct. If she would have shown up years later, it wouldn't be talked about as much, since there wouldn't be these strange circumstances surrounding her death. So instead, it was easier for her to just take a break. And she was kind of tired of trying to prove to everyone something. So meeting these natives, she didn't have anything to prove to them. And instead, she would finally be accepted and brought in as one of them. Again, for Amelia, showing that she was equal to any man was very important to her. Was that, being part, was that part of her motivation? Yes, it was. And she wanted to show that women could do anything that a man wanted to do. So she decided that she would try some do something that no one else could, since she wanted to show that sometimes women actually could do things that men couldn't also. Are Amelia Earhart's bones buried in another place that hasn't been found? They're buried elsewhere, so they were not detected. The bones that were found were actually of a different explorer, but were not Amelia Earhart. So there is a possibility in the, new fu- in, the near- in the future that her remains will be found? Yes, there is a possibility. What can we learn from the disappearances of Glenn Miller and of Amelia Earhart and her navigator, Fred Noonan? The hard part of stories is that they get very twisted and people try to fill in the gaps. So a lot of the time things are way more complicated than they seem, but they actually may be the opposite and may be more simple than they seem. So with Glenn, you can see that there was a story where it was more of a normal because of the plane going down. But behind the scenes, there was also some more crazy events going on. So there's a lot to the story, and it isn't always what it seems. And with Amelia Earhart, it's hard for people to comprehend the drive she had. And it's hard for people to realize that she's going to push herself to any limit possible. But again, people fill in the blanks with what if this happened or what if that happened. And sometimes stories are a little bit different than filling in the blanks. That was the last answer. Was Amelia Earhart's passing as a free person too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. Well, I think, uh, I don't know if there's been a movie made of uh, Amelia Earhart's life. I'm sure there has been, but... uh, if it's ever discovered what really happened, uh, that she actually um, flew back towards Papua New Guinea and uh, then then her plane crashed for the reasons discussed, and that she lived on the island uh, for some time with freedom, I guess, freedom from being driven, that would make one heck of a story. Yes, I think we have to recognize Amelia Earhart for what she did for women, how going into male-dominated fields has been a very large challenge, not just for her, but for other amazing women who have basically led the pack. So I think her disappearance leads to one amazing story, but also brings up the point of all the different things she did do for women and for people, obviously, in general. 
So her story has really spread because of her tragic death, which obviously isn't a good thing, but it's also making good strides. I think the case of Glenn Minner was, um, it was always believed that his plane perished over the English Channel for whatever reason. But the fact that there appeared to be two planes involved that came to grief that night is was to me a rather a shock. And uh, and I don't know if coincidence is the right word, but uh, I think those air crew on the Lancaster honestly believed that uh, dropping the bombs had uh, destroyed Miller's aircraft. Well, I think the other interesting takeaway from all these different stories is that there's so much that's unknown. So these aren't the only mysterious disappearances, but overall there's so much information that maybe only one or two people know that they haven't came forward, or there's just nothing. People leave without a trace. You don't know what actually happens to them. And it's crazy even in this day and age with the technology we have, with cameras all over the place, people still go missing. And sometimes there's no clues. Now, going back to, I guess, our first story and, and Lord Lucan, I don't think anybody, many people have much sympathy for him. Uh, uh, but um, I think part of the fascination was that money and privilege kept him uh, with his new identity and uh, kept him safe. So I think maybe that was part of the fascination that if you've got the money and friends, you can literally get away with murder. Well, and I don't want to name any names of cases, but um, as it was mentioned, there have been a few other examples of people who have been able to get away with things that the evidence pointed to them, but they were found innocent. So I think it is true that you were innocent until proven guilty, but I also think that depending on the case, a person might get away with some things. But on that note, again, I'll mention our new Instagram page, which is two, so T-W-O, and then it's G-T-B-T for too good to be true. You can go on there. You can follow us. You can message us. You can also go to our Facebook page at too good to be true and our website at too good to be true.net and message us. We would love some more suggestions if you have any comments about today's show. And as always, thank you so much for listening and we look forward to next week's show. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net.
You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simultv. Simultv offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.